And now, the Street Photography Magazine podcast with your host, Bob Patterson. Welcome back. And real quick, before we get into the show, I wanted to remind you that registration for our new remote workshop, Publishing Photo Books with Harvey Stein, is about to close. The class starts on Tuesday, January 26th. It runs from 1 to 4 p.m., and it's a seven-week course uh, that we're conducting by Zoom, or at least Harvey is. And if you don't know Harvey, he is a longtime street photographer who teaches at the International Center of Photography in New York, also called ICP. And he has published nine of his own books. His 10th book is due out in the spring of 2022. So he's an accomplished photographer. He's a professional photographer as well and an accomplished author. This workshop is for anybody who is just thinking about arranging their photos into a photo book or those who have completed a project and are not sure how to approach publishers. And by the way, you don't have to be a street photographer to take the class. It applies to any photographer interested in publishing their work. Some of the takeaways from this course are generating book ideas, selecting and sequencing images, identifying potential publishers, what and how to present the publishers, and most importantly, a professional evaluation of your project. So if you're thinking about publishing a book, I highly recommend you check this workshop out. For more information, go to streetphotographymagazine.com slash workshop or follow the link in our show notes. Our guest today is Valerie Jardin, who needs no introduction. She is one of the preeminent women street photographers of today. Originally from France, she now lives with her family in Minneapolis, Minnesota. She leads workshops worldwide, writes books, produces a weekly podcast called Hit the Streets, and is an official ex-photographer for Fujifilm USA. Although the pandemic has slowed down her workshop schedule, she doesn't let that or the bitter cold in Minneapolis keep her down. She's proof that none of us should complain that we can't pursue our photography because nobody's out on the streets, or because everybody's wearing a mask, or even that it's too cold. For example, Valerie began a project called On Ice, where she has been photographing the community of people who enjoy life on the frozen lakes in Minnesota. And we'll include a few of her photos from that project in our show notes. So have a listen to my conversation with Valerie Jardin, where you'll learn about that and even more. So Valerie, welcome today. How you doing? Hey, Bob. Uh, doing okay. <laughs> Before we started recording, I was telling you how I just can't wait to be teaching on the streets again. Uh, <laughs> teaching online is, is good, but it doesn't quite feed the soul, right? <laughs> no, there's just something about having that machine between you and the people you're actually talking to. Yeah. So, and you know, you just get, you know, when you're working with people in person, you get a lot of energy back yes, from them. And exactly. It, mm -hmm. it just doesn't come back to a computer. No, it, uh, it, it, yep, exactly. After a while, you just, it depletes you. Um, more than anything else, I, I realize. And, and, uh, and I've been doing this for months, uh, you know, giving, uh, presentations to photo clubs, photo societies, online conferences, and it's been it's been great. It's been so necessary, but um, yeah, it's it's a one way one way thing. 
and uh, I missed that. I missed the I missed the the interaction with my students live on the streets. You know, and, oh, I can uh, I can dream of it. That's almost a year. <laughs> I know so many people have been to your workshops, and they all get so much out of it. Um, and I know you do too. So yeah, someday, someday, the the vaccines are making the rounds. So yes, I can't wait. Oh, I. <laughs> it's like give me the vaccine now. I want to. <laughs> I want to teach again because I really can't start the workshops until that until I'm vaccinated. I mean, I've been traveling. I, I went back to Europe um, a couple times yeah. during the pandemic because I never had the travel restrictions being a, a French citizen. But um, but to start the workshops again, um, yeah, late spring, early summer, hopefully. When uh, when I'm vaccinated and most of my students will be as well by then, so yeah, it's coming, it's there. It's just now seems to things seems to slow down for some reason. Yeah, it did, but that's a big operation, and I yeah. think it's going to take a while to get it working properly. Yeah, I just signed up today in Virginia. I just found out. I mean, through my daughter, that there's a website you can go to in our state to get put on the list to get a vaccine. Oh, nice. Yeah. Never heard about it before. It's just all word of mouth. I think, I think they need yeah. to work on that one. Yeah. And every state is doing something different. So it's not like you exactly. can learn from one and apply it. So, oh, well, but yeah. we have photography that's keeping us uh, sane. I know it is. I don't. And, and although, although it's winter, in the Northland, uh, I'm uh, I'm out shooting every day, and it is saving me. Honestly, I can't even imagine not having photography in my life right now. Yeah, there's always something you can do, though. Mm-hmm. Even in even in uh, Frostbite Falls, there's always <laughs> something you can do, right? Yep. Yeah, I um and matter of fact I was gonna ask you what you're up to lately. I mean it's you know, you're up there in Minnesota's where it's pretty cold. Of course you guys don't notice it because it's cold all the time. But so what are you, <laughs> no, what are you gets, doing with yourself? It's very hot in the summer, very hot and humid. So we, we do have extremes. You know, we have uh, over a hundred degrees in the summer at times and then uh and I'm, you know, Fahrenheit, of course. And then, uh, you know, we can have 40 below zero in the in the winter. So we have the most extreme temperatures. Um, but actually, right now, we have a nice stretch of near freezing temperatures, which, you know, mm-hmm. you don't even need a jacket. And so <laughs> I've I've been out the, the lakes. We had a, a late um, uh, we, we winter. It didn't get cold. Uh, really until uh, late December this year, which, you know, which is great. But uh, so the lakes didn't freeze as early as usual, but we have over 10,000 lakes, as you know. And uh, we just, uh, I started right Christmas week, actually. I started walking on the lakes and photographing life on the frozen lakes. And, And my project is called On Ice. And I've lived here for many, many years, but I've never spent so much time on ice. And and I go to different lakes, and it's amazing. I thought, you know, it would be limited to photographing ice fishermen and ice skaters, hockey players, you know, even um, a few other, uh, you know, pretty common activities on frozen lakes. Um, 
But I've uh, photographed ice swimmers. I photographed a dance party with a DJ on a frozen lake. I photographed um, people playing ice Jenga. I've even celebrated New Year's Day on the ice with, you know, a bottle of champagne and some friends in the middle of a lake. So uh, there's so much life. On the, and, and I think it's a Minnesota thing. People love winter here. And right now, because of everything has been closed and social distancing, people find, um, you know, meet their friends on, on the lakes and we're kids again. And it's actually been super fun. And so almost every day I try to, uh, to go to a different lake because they're all within <laughs> a few minutes. So, mm-hmm. So it's been uh, it's been really it's been a lifesaver for me to be uh, to 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 be working on this project and I'm setting limitations um, working with uh, of course one camera one lens I shoot this project in black and white only and uh, and so that's the one thing and my other project is called Objet du Jour which is uh, photographing uh, uh, still life in window light and uh, hmm. so between the two I shoot every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I said, there's always something to do if you put your mind to it. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, we all get in ruts. And that's what I wanted to talk about today is, is getting, out of, uh, getting out of ruts photographically, especially on the street. And um, we're going to talk about a new book you have. But I, I, I do want to ask you something else. Uh, I guess it's more Fuji related be- mm-hmm. before we move on. Because it's something I've been working on. I, I also use Fuji cameras like you. And I primarily shoot black and white. And usually I shoot in color and come back and then I post-process and it takes me a long time. So I've been trying to use the film simulations and use the the custom settings mm-hmm. so I could get closer to this vision I have in my head and you know, I, I mean, I've been using Fuji since since the X100 came out, which is oh, what nine years ago or so. But so, but I never really mess with that stuff. And I and I just discovered how to you know how to set the uh, highlight shadows. And uh, you know, I'm coming real close now. And I but I just want to know, do you do that? I like I like the across simulation, yep. but it's a little flat for me. Um, I, I only, I, I think it's a crime to shoot raw with a Fujifilm camera and let oh, yeah. Adobe give, uh, give, make the decision because, um, that's what Fujifilm is good at is those film simulation. That's the reason why I've been shooting Fuji. So, um, at least if you shoot raw, make the conversion in camera, don't do it in Adobe yeah. in, uh, in Lightroom or, or Photoshop. But, um, yeah, I, I shoot, uh, in camera. I make, and I love making the decisions. It's going to be color. Is it going to be black and white? These are all creative decisions that you should make before you press the shutter, not in post-processing, in my opinion. And so I, um, I, I make um, my, my pictures pretty much come out the way I want them to be, uh, five seconds or less in Lightroom. Yeah. Uh, so It's liberating. So the answer is yes. You know what I really <laughs> like? I like looking for the, through the viewfinder and seeing it in black and white. Mm-hmm. It's way different. Way different. And then I, I don't have to 
You don't really it's, have to think about you it. You can fine tune. You know, it, basically, yeah. when I bring my, I, I bring everything into Lightroom because I catalog everything in Lightroom, yeah. and I love the platform. But um, then, uh, just you know, adding a little contrast, maybe adding a little clarity, maybe a slight vignette, and that's it. I mean, that's like three sliders that I use. Lightroom is a big waste of <laughs> functions for on me because uh, I can do it. Uh, I don't need that something that powerful, but. Um, yeah, then that's it because I I make my own settings in camera and my um, my black and whites are acros with yellow filter mm-hmm. and I push my whites and my blacks a bit uh, highlights and shadows. I like to be I like I like to push them um, in opposite <laughs> directions yep. and. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't play with the clarity on the, in the camera setting. I don't know. Somebody told me that it wasn't that great. So I had never even tried it. But actually, the, the V as a clarity function, too, in camera. That's what but I, I don't want to apply clarity to everything either. There's some, you know, a silhouette, you don't want to apply clarity. On a, on a woman or a child's face, you don't want to apply clarity. So I think those are the little tweaks that you want to do in post-processing. Yeah, it saves a lot of time. Yeah, because Lightroom or any other editing software can become a rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. Not for me. Yeah, <laughs> just, not for you. That's great. I, nope. like, are you? <laughs> yeah, you are efficient. That's. <laughs> you know, actually, I was thinking. Um, I was just. I, I guess I, I haven't been sleeping well, so I'm thinking it instead of sleeping, but. Um, I never, lo- I never lost the focus of what photography is to me. And it, for me, it's never been about the gear, whatever gear it is. It's never been about the camera. And it's never mm-hmm. been about the tools and post-processing. It's been about the story and the photograph and, and the experience. Because um, I definitely don't care about gear. You know, I have a camera that works. That's all I need. Um, I, I, as a Fujifilm ex-photographer i could try any camera i want and <laughs> i don't want to i love my camera and, it, and i forget it's there and that's that's a good camera when you forget it's there that's right mm-hmm. muscle memory yeah so anyway we were uh, i was talking before about getting out of a rut and mm-hmm. i i saw the new book you have which i thought man that is what a perfect tool and it's called um, Street Photography Assignments. And I was, then I was thinking, boy, you know, it's got to be hard to write all these books. I mean, you've written several books. How many, how many have you written so far? Um, well, 12 total 12. in four years. But um, there, um, there's a lot of e-books in there. There are a couple of uh, fine mm-hmm. art books, too. But um, this one I wrote for Rocky Nook this uh, well, in 2020. Uh, I think it came out in the e-version in September or October, and then the print version was out in December. And so it's been really, really popular. Um, And I wrote it with that in mind that people are in ruts all the time. I hear that all the time. I'm like, okay, uh, how can I fix the problem? (laughs) So I wrote 75 exercises for street photographers and, uh, and I've been hearing from people all over the world, even though, I mean, when I was writing this, I just started writing the book and then the pandemic and I'm like, well, should I write it differently? Because, you know, Mm -hmm. there's some exercises that won't be very helpful during a pandemic, but actually 
there are a lot that are pushing people to go out there and that work perfectly right now. But uh, I didn't want to, you know, make it so that it was any different because of the time I was writing it. So, uh, but people have been using it and I'm sure it's going to become even more helpful once things are back to normal. So, Yeah. I, as I looked at it, I thought, well, this couldn't have been too hard for you because you spend so much time teaching and you're probably giving assignments like this anyway, or, or giving yeah. people advice like this anyway. But. Oh yeah. It was actually, I, I, kind of did it in reverse. Well, I had a list of exercises and then, um, and then I look, then I had to find examples for each one of those several examples from my own collection. So after a while I started looking at the pictures and said, Oh wait, there is a teaching. There is a, there, there is something I can teach just from that picture. And then I made the exercise. So I went from the picture and then turn it into an exercise. So that, that's how I did some of those exercises. Instead of just coming up with the exercise and looking for the picture, I had the picture and said, okay, there is an exercise there. So it was quite an interesting process. And going back uh, years of, uh, years of, uh, well, not years. I think most of the photographs in that book are within the past four years. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, that's always fun to, to look at your work and, and how it changes with time. Yeah, I was glad that you dated the photos in there, or you mm -hmm. put, at least put the year. So I think that's helpful. Yeah, no more excuses. I mean, this this book is is uh, supposed to be fun, and um, and and whenever I hear people, oh yeah, I'd like to go out, but I don't know what to do, or I only have thirty minutes. Well, it doesn't matter. No more excuses. Pick up the book, or you can have it. A lot of people have the print version, you know, where they put little post-it notes and they just pick exercises, and they'll go back to those same exercises in six months because you know they'll see how they improved. And then a lot of people also have it in an e-version because they could be out on the streets and they can't think of anything, you know. And that happens to everyone. Then they pick up an exercise. They just open on their phone or whatever, and they get one exercise and say, oh, I'm just going to do this. And that keeps them busy for 30 minutes, four hours, six hours, whatever time they have. And and that's what I had in mind is, um, you know, no more excuses. <laughs> get out and shoot. Yeah, you can't say there's nothing to shoot anymore. Mm -hmm. Not with 75 exercises. <laughs> I know I, yeah, I was out the other day and... I've been doing my experiment with the different uh, black and white settings, and that's what I did. I had my camera set on this one recipe, as they say, and that's all I shot that that whole day. I had like an hour and a half to kill, and it was great. Yeah, it was great. And that's not even in your book. You got to add that add that chapter. I, you I you did say you, you do have one on using filters, but. Uh, I'm yeah, there's a there's pretty much everything, and then there are exercises within exercises. So uh, there's a lot more than seventy five exercises. Actually, <laughs> there's a lot. I like what you recommend is that just open up the um, open up the table of contents, pick one, and yep. go do it. Yep. If uh, if you've done this for a while, if you're a total beginner, well, this is not a how to street photography book because I already wrote that book, mm -hmm. uh, and so. I, it it um, if if people are brand new, they can still use it as a how to if they go chron chronologically. So they go from exercise one mm -hmm. down. Mm -hmm. It go it becomes a little more difficult as you go. But um, it 
So it would work that way. But if you already do street photography, um, then yeah, you just open it and just um, pick one at random. And if you don't like it, just pick another one. You know, it's supposed to be fun. That's the thing. It's not supposed to be a chore. Yeah. If it's a chore, you're not going to do it. Well, then why do it? You know, yeah. It's like you're not working for clients while you're doing street photography. So why force yourself to do something you're not enjoying 100%? So that's yeah. my thought. But sometimes you can do street photography when you're working for clients. That's true, too. Yeah. I was, I was shooting for a client. I don't know, last year, year before. And uh, it was in, doing one of these grip and grin things, you know, at a, like a sales conference. And I, I got all the shots in the can that I needed. And uh, the light was terrible. I mean, I had to use a flash, which I don't normally use. And so finally, I uh, I switched my phone over to Acros, Acros, whatever you call it. Uh, I call it Acros, but. Acros, okay. I'm not sure. And I cranked up the ISO to like, you know, 10,000. It was really grainy. And I just ran around doing candid street type photos. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I sent them to them with the proofs and they went crazy. They loved them. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you, you know, if you're a working photographer, you can, you can do street photography as well when you're on the job, when you're on the job. Anyway. Um, you said something in the book that I really liked, and you said, you've only got one person to please, that's yourself. Mm -hmm. And I thought about that, and I thought, sometimes we have stuff in our heads when we're, when we're, when we're trying to make images, and it's things that get in the way. And one of them is, you know, what's somebody going to think of this? You know, <laughs> yeah. I, you know I'm not shooting like uh, Cartier-Bresson or I'm, you know, so-and-so wouldn't do this. How do you overcome that stuff yourself? Or how do you teach your students how to do that? Because that's, that's um, a big part of it. Yeah. And I think we all, I think that's a product of social media, um, yeah. pure and simple, like a lot of things are products of social media. And we're learning a lot about that these days. Yeah, aren't we? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but um, so the, the, constant need for gratification from peers and um and and i see a lot of people shooting for an audience and i've talked about that in my show and with other photographers and it's unhealthy because if you're shooting for an audience you're not you you're not it's not your your voice um you should really aim at, at shooting for you. You're the one person you need to please. And, and if, if you're happy and, and you follow your, your true voice as an artist, uh, people will respond. Uh, but trying to shoot for an audience, then you have to look at what the trend is. And if you shoot for an audience, you as a street photographer, you're going to deliver... Uh, always the same thing because whatever the trend of the day is for a while, it was, you know, being up close and shooting, uh, you know, close up and startling people. And that was, that was big for a while, a few years ago. And then next um, more dramatic type silhouettes and um, are, are popular and always get wows. But it, 
okay, fine, but you could do that all day long. You're not going to learn a lot. And is it is it really uh, satisfying? I mean, I love photographing silhouettes, and I and and I I find satisfaction in and getting a, a a silhouette I haven't seen or done before, but. Uh, it's not super challenging either. So um, capturing true emotion will be a lot more challenging. And that gives me much more satisfaction. It's not going to be as popular on social media, though. So see, that's the thing. It's really um, doing what resonates with you. And that's why I'm kind of all over the place, because there are days where I want to play with light. There are days where I want to get really close to people and photograph a, an emotion and experience. Expression. There are days where I just I'm doing a lot of more abstract street photography because it depends on my mood. Because I'm gonna do I'm gonna go out there and shoot something that's gonna make me feel good, and so I'm that's why I'm saying I'm shooting for me, and it shows in my work. Uh, my mood reflects in my work, and that's how it should be. So if you shoot for an audience, it's it's um it's gonna show it um. And it's hard to keep up too. I think at one point, <laughs> I think your true your true voice will want to come out, and it's a shame not to. It's a shame to repress that. Does it make sense? I don't know. It makes sense in my head, but I'm not sure when I'm saying it. It actually makes so much sense. No, I mean certainly logically it does, mm -hmm. but you know, I guess we're all looking for justification. We're looking for we're looking for those likes. Yeah. And, and it's not healthy. No, no. I uh, remember when I first started on street photography, I don't know, it's probably 15, 16 years ago. And everybody was using Flickr at the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, this, this guy and I, we started a, actually a Flickr, Flickr group, a, a private street photography group. And after a while, he just completely burned out because he's, you know, he, he, he got this community behind him and Flickr and a lot and, of pressure. A lot of pressure, and he he just he said I just quit after a while because I got so sucked in to wanting these likes and 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 this affirmation that I'm that I'm good and that you know people like me and and he he just got completely fried and just stopped. I I don't know if he ever came back to it or not. Mm -hmm. And he he's a I think we're I think I know who you're talking about. Um, <laughs> and I I I that's scary. That's scary, and that was actually I, I know I know a couple of people who um, who totally quit because of that, and uh, that was kind of wake up call for me. I'm like, wow, I wouldn't want that to happen to me. What what? Uh, how can I prevent that? Um, I think I've always been pretty true to myself and my vision. So, uh, but I I remember there are times where it's like, oh. I don't know. I would post this, but I'm not sure people will react to it. And then I would just like, what do I care? You know. And but it, I think it's it's human. It's human, and it's hard to overcome that. But it's so liberating when you all of a sudden uh, realize that you know, screw it. I'm the only person that I should I should aim at pleasing uh, because. I'm doing this for me. I'm 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 shooting street photographer for me. Photography for me. I'm I'm making a living out of it because I'm teaching and mm -hmm. and and inspiring other people, uh, teaching workshops and and selling books and stuff. But uh, but 
it doesn't change the way I approach it. It's still just for me. I'm not doing this for a client. And so unless you're working for a client where you do have to compromise between your vision and their vision uh, sometimes, um, then of course you you have to please your client. But the rest of the time for any personal project, it's for you. And it's the only time, really, where you can say that if you're a working, photo- uh, working photographer. So that's why personal projects are so important. And the reason why they're so important is because they, they bring you back to why you picked up a camera in the first place. And it's complete creative, crea- uh, creative freedom that you don't always have if you're working for a client. So embrace that and enjoy it. That's right. You ought to know because you... We're a commercial photographer for a long time, right? You never missed it. <laughs> you never made it. Doesn't sound like it. No. So, yep. Well, anyway, you. I mean, you. You kind of live between two cultures. I mean, you live here in the U.S. Your family's here, but but you're French and you're, you know. I live between the two now because I I actually have a place in France now. Oh, so you do. I really do divide my time. Yeah, and the, and my, uh, you know. The rest of the family's all there. So, uh, you know, I have my parents there and my brother and my nephews and, and so, a lot of friends. Um, so, yeah, it's um, I think France has never been more home than it is now. Wow. Mm-hmm. So do you think this this whole fascination with, you know, getting sucked into social media, is that more of an American thing? I mean, is it? Uh, I well, I don't know. I think I do think that uh, people are more addicted to their uh, to social media here or to (laughs) to their devices in general, um, for sure. But no, I think it's a it's a worldwide phenomenon in general. Okay, that's good to know. You know, because the rest of us regular Americans were so. No, I, I mean, that's all a, we know is, is this world. And it's an artist thing. I think, yeah. you know, as artists, we're vulnerable. We're fragile. We need uh, we need to feel uh, reassurance. And I think it's actually a, an, an artist a disease. <laughs> <laughs> so it's hard to overcome. Uh, but you, you, you have to... Uh, I think you have to step back and uh, and see it does this make you really happy to to constantly want to please an audience if it mm-hmm. makes you happy well geez I mean do it but I know it it would not make me happy so yeah yeah constantly seeking affirmation yeah so it's hard work <laughs> it's a lot of work it tires me just thinking about it <laughs> yeah have you cut back um i know you have, have a big social media presence obviously i mean have you cut back on things um that? i i yeah i don't even use uh facebook anymore i don't ever look at facebook i removed facebook from my devices uh-huh. about two years ago i never actually never missed it a second i thought you know maybe it's addicting and I never looked back. Once in a while, I'll I'll look on my desktop, and then I realize, oh my gosh, I miss so many birthdays. <laughs> That's about the only yeah, thing I miss. Guilt. Yes. 
Um, I have the page still, and I only have the page app on my phone. So once in a while, I'll remember. Oh, I should pay. I should. I should post uh, a link to this new article or this new podcast or something. So mm-hmm. I'll put it there. But I don't post pictures daily like I used to. But I do on Instagram. I post one photograph daily. I post, um, and it's it's often okay. It's, right now, I'm posting two different projects, um, and then I, I started doing photo stories which I have in my books too. And I've, I'm writing more books. So there, um, and it's my favorite way of teaching is really um, writing the story behind the shot. How, yeah. how did I see that? What was going on and why did I approach it that way? So I started writing photo stories during the pandemic uh, because I couldn't shoot, you know, uh, new stuff right away. So I go, well, I'm just going to go back and, and my way of teaching and tell a photo story, at least a little bit of backstory. How, you know, how did I approach that situation? Um, why, why did I wait for that moment? You know, they're all different. They all, some are longer than others. They're very uh-huh. personal, but, uh, so I, I still post those once in a while. I think I've posted 150, I think. Uh, from photographs from around the world, recent photographs. But um, so I enjoyed that. I enjoy giving, really, and uh, not just posting a picture and, and, oh, look at me, look at what I did. I, I like to actually give a little something with my pictures. That's yeah. the educator in me. But I, yeah, I've, I've read several of those and I, I like them a lot. It's nice to know what was going through your head at the time and what you thought and felt. And then, that's that adds so much more than just seeing the photograph. And and honestly, that makes me happy. The morning when I uh, that's the first thing I do in the morning. Um, I I pick a photograph, um, and then I'm going to write a little story. I usually actually write it on notes on my. I hate typing on my phone, so I write it on <laughs> oh, notes God. on yeah. my computer, and then uh, and then it automatically goes into notes on my phone, right? Mm-hmm. And then I, I just, uh, I, I copy, uh, copy it from note on my phone, paste it on Instagram. So I have the story and then, so I do that. That's the first thing I do in the morning with my coffee. Mm-hmm. And that makes me happy. That's a good way for me to start the day is to share something. something good. Yeah. I've been starting my day reading the newspaper every morning. I get the <laughs> that's <one>. depressing. <laughs> that's really depressing. Yes. I've <laughs> it's like, it's like that watching habit. T- it's like watching the news before you go to bed. Uh, yes. Oh, especially yes. lately. It's no. it's a nightmare. Don't get me started. So, yeah, I, I've been re- reading a lot of books, a lot of books. <laughs> yes. And um, I started painting. And, Ooh. yeah, um, outlets, other outlets. You know, I didn't, you know, I started drawing a few years ago thinking I can't even draw a stick man. So it's going to be hopeless. And I realize that anyone can learn to draw. It's not that really? complicated. It's like everyone can learn photography, but there are that there there are true talents and there are people who are just gonna have to work a lot harder. Um, <laughs> I'm not a I'm not a talented uh s- sketch artist. I'm not a talented watercolor painter, but I love it. And it doesn't matter because it's just for me. And it's so therapeutic. It it's uh I take I do like mini miniature watercolors right now. I have this tiny little uh, watercolor uh, notepad and uh, they're like three inches. And I just, I don't know, sometimes they're a tree or branches or a flower, something that just pops in my head. And uh, it's like 10 minutes 
It's like a little break. It's better than uh, checking Twitter. Yes, yes. Well, that's really something you're getting into to drawing and to, and to painting. And that's probably something you had in you all along and you're just bringing it out by practice, right? I don't know because, you know, I, I never thought I could do any of that because I had a terrible uh, middle school art <laughs> teacher who told me that I sucked at anything art related and I should never pursue any of this. <laughs> so probably right. why I didn't start photography until so late in life because my entire, you know, uh, uh, my entire childhood, and then um, through through university and and beyond, I thought I should never even try any art art endeavor. It, just because a teacher said that to me, can you imagine how big of an influence that oh could have God. on a child and how terrible that is? It yeah. does. Yeah, it does. That's so. Crazy. Then you became a teacher yourself, mm -hmm. so you can bring out the best in people, right? I love it. You know, it's really what feeds my soul um, when it comes down to it. That's where I'm the happiest. I mean, it's it's uh, like my, this book was actually um, uh, bestseller new releases on Amazon a few mm -hmm. weeks ago when it came out. And uh, everybody was like, oh, you must be so excited. I'm like, eh, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> but it's... I don't, you know, it's not that big of a deal. It's not what makes me happy. What makes me happy is really sharing, sharing my passion. And uh, I mean, I love writing books. That's one way, you know, uh, of sharing, but it's not live. And, and for me, I'm a people person and it's the live interaction that I crave for. That's what that's what makes me truly happy. So even, you know, having an exhibit of my work and things like that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's nice, but that's not what makes me the the happiest. And and uh, so what a lot of photographers would consider, wow, it's just the ultimate, you know, being a published author and uh, showing, you know, having solo exhibits and everything uh, would be like the ultimate goal. Um, to me, it's not. What makes me happy is actually sharing with people on the streets and of the world. And, uh, and it's good to know that. I think it's good to, to, uh, to realize that. I know there's nothing like seeing somebody else have that aha moment mm -hmm. when yep. you've said something or demonstrated something or, you know, they've made a difference in their life and how they do things. Oh, absolutely. And I get emails literally every day. Uh, people who tell me how, you know, how I've opened their eyes or how even sometimes just a, a story they read, um, a photo story they read online and said, you just, it just made my day. I just realized that I too could do this or, you know, things like that just makes me so happy. Um, that really is when it comes down to it. That's, <laughs> that's what I love the best is, is, uh, knowing that I'm making a little bit of different and I'm maybe um, open some new, um, so many people don't have anything. And I find that because we have, we have this as artists, we have, for us, it's photography. Um, it, it's, it's amazing. And, uh, and just knowing that you can open this in so, to someone and offer this to someone, it's like a gift. 
and uh, and how it, it can be life-changing. I think that's so wonderful. When you started doing it, I know you were a commercial photographer and you stopped and you, you, you started doing training. I mean, did you know you were going to get something like this out of it personally or did you just realize it at, over time? Um, well, I, I knew right away when I, when I um, started teaching workshops and I didn't start with just, you know, like a day workshop here locally. I started with a week long, full, inclu all inclusive workshop in Paris included, you know, hotels and meals and everything. I, I couldn't start the more, a more difficult way, but did it. It was very successful. And I knew that's, that was it. I knew that was it. The second year I ran nine workshops. So went from that one. Wow. Um, nine, 10 years ago to, to nine the following year. And I was already teaching in Australia. So I, it was a big risk because I also knew that I was going to be hundred percent devoted to this. And, and I quit my commercial business that, that, that second year. Um, and that was it. I never, and it was actually felt good when I said no to a mm -hmm. client. It's like, nope, I don't do that anymore. And, and uh, when, you know, the year before, I was still working full time, you know, for clients. And I said, no, I don't do that anymore. And it felt really good. It was, it was scary and risky, but, you know, I'm living my dream. And yeah, it's the most difficult thing you're ever going to do. But you know what? There is, there is no start over <laughs> at the end. <laughs> and so the worst thing would have been to never do it, never try it, and then regret it for the rest of my life. That would have been the worst case scenario. Um, another scenario would have been, yeah, I tried. It didn't work. Oh, well, but at least I tried. But um, it's hard work. But I there's nothing I would prefer doing. Um, and that's why this pandemic has been difficult for me because it's taking my oxygen <laughs> away uh not being able to 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 travel and teach and spend you know all those weeks during a, a year during a year so many weeks with like-minded people and sharing it's so wonderful yeah i tell you you're talking about just saying no to a client i mean being able to to say no or having the having the courage to say no is, mm -hmm. is liberating yeah and many of us don't do that. No, and, and many people can't, you know, but, yeah. and I, I've been there, you know, I shot everything because I, I needed to make money. And so I would never say no, but I would hate so much of it. And, uh, and it's dangerous when it's, when it's your passion and it, you turn it into a business and then you start taking jobs that you hate. Mm -hmm. It's a dangerous line. So um, when you can and you're confident and you have a good base, just only take things that actually make you happy as soon as you can because you, otherwise you run the risk of just you know, losing, the, losing the passion. And then it will show in the work. So when do you think you're going to start up again? Do you have any workshops oh, yes. for this year, later in the year? <laughs> yes. Normally, I would be in Paris right now. January is where I start my year in Paris, and I love the January workshop. I miss it. It's the first time in uh, in nine years I'm not teaching in Paris um, in January. So technically, I'm starting um, April, May. Uh, I think April is going to be too tight, and um, people are uh, technically I'm starting in Lisbon in April. 
Uh, I'm going to have to make the decision in a month if that workshop will go or not. Um, otherwise, the, the, the fall workshops are almost full because people know that by then things mm-hmm. will be fine. So um, August is almost full. August is London. Um, Paris, um, no, then Normandy for a week in September. Paris for a week in October. Those are nearly sold out um, because people know that they can travel again, you know, by summer. And and people are ready. <laughs> yeah. There's going to be an explosion. Yeah. So it's going to be good, it, it, but it's okay. It's going to be, um, I think I have half the workshops that I normally teach this year because I'm starting so much later, um, but it's okay. You know, when it starts again, it's going to be better than ever. And uh, and I, I just can't wait. But, you know, you want to do it when things are pretty much back to normal. I mean, who wants to be on the streets of Paris and only photograph people with masks? You know, that wouldn't be a whole lot of fun. So I'm getting uh, tired of photographing people with masks. I haven't yet. So <laughs> I have uh, spent, that's why I'm on the, actually I have even one of the dancers on the lake uh, this past weekend had a mask on, but um, uh, I've been um, just for my own, uh, just to protect myself and trust, just to have a some normalcy, uh, I avoided uh, streets and public places. I've been focusing mm-hmm. on beach areas in the summer month, um, whether it's lake beaches or in Normandy. I was on. I have a place on the beach, and I didn't even go in the city at all. Uh, or now being on the lake, where you know people don't have to wear masks because there's. <laughs> There's a mile between them and the next ice fisherman. And and it's just been so, so liberating. And so, so uh, it feels more normal. And that's what I was craving. So, I mean, there's been some wonderful projects, but uh, I never felt the need to document people wearing masks because I thought from the beginning that we didn't need those pictures to remember <laughs> this awful time. Yeah, it's burned into our memories. <laughs> That's right. So I'm kind of glad I don't have those in my collection, to be honest. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I want to ask you, how many, how many people are in a typical workshop? Eight to ten. Eight to tens. Mm-hmm. Small. Yeah, that's yep. great. That's great. Very, very intimate. And actually, I'm starting. Uh, I'm doing Minneapolis in June, uh, which uh, which is it's always fun. It's I only do one Minneapolis workshop every year, and so I'm 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 hopeful that uh, that that workshop is um, nearly full as well. So I'm really hoping that things will will be semi normal by then. That's wonderful. I know uh, in your book. Just have to have to ask you about this, or just comment on it. The, the last the last chapter in your book is like very short. It says, "Get lost." <laughs> get Go lost on get purpose. Lost. <laughs> yeah, which is how I approach um, my photo walks. You know, when I when I'm go somewhere, I, I follow I follow the light, or I I just I just get lost on purpose. You know, I let the street surprise me, but. I realize that not everyone can approach it that way. A lot of people need to have a goal. So, yeah. Yeah, true, true. Oh, I did I did want to ask you one other thing before we go. Um, do you print your work, work much? No, not at all. 
I uh, trust really? WHCC for that. Yeah, actually, they're one of the sponsors of my my podcast. I've been working with them forever, and um, they're headquartered here in the in Minneapolis, St. Paul, Minneapolis. They're wonderful, wonderful lab. So I I trust them with my my print. I don't print a lot. I print for uh, whenever I have fine art orders mm-hmm. or for exhibits. Um, I should, I, I try to print a few times a year just for me because there is nothing like that quite beats holding a, a print in your hand, but no. I, I don't have the skills to print myself. I feel like it's another set of skills I need to learn. And I don't feel like it. I don't feel the passion for it. And, um, and normally I would have absolutely no time for that because I'm on a plane every two, three weeks. So I, um, I, I leave that to, um, to a good lab. Do, do you print, Bob? Um, I started printing again. I haven't. I, okay. Matter of fact, I was thinking about. I mean, I was thinking about buying a printer. I don't know. I've been toying with it, but uh, um, actually, I'm looking for a lab. We don't really have anybody local, which would be mm-hmm. nice. I, I've been, I've been sending my work off, and it, it's taking forever to get things in the mail right now. Oh, not with WHCC. It's uh, free FedEx shipping. <laughs> so you get it uh, within two, three days in the U.S. Oh, that's wonderful. I'll put a link in the notes. Uh, okay, that's good to know. Well, I mean, you're in like the printing capital of the U.S., commercial printing up, up mm-hmm. in that part of the world where all the trees are. <laughs> it's true. So I, I tried the dark room out in California. I, I actually sent some film off to him, and it just you know just took forever. I don't shoot much film, but um, I'm looking for a good printer, so I, I'm definitely going to give them a try. Yeah, they're really good, and I've actually had the opportunity to um, to go in the lab. Um, it's not open to the public because it's only they they ship only so it's not like a store mm-hmm. um i mean it's huge and um it's they're really passionate people and uh, i've done some youtube videos uh, i've been uh, invited to the lab when they printed some of my ex- exhibits um and uh, it it's it's really a great place yeah so if you're printing for an exhibit i assume there's a lot of back and forth and yeah, but it, see, that's the thing. Once you find a, a good printer, and I, 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 their quality control is so amazing um, that uh, you can trust when you trust a printer. You're you're pretty pretty good. But I, whatever I print for myself, like if I if I um, I sell fine art prints of my work, so I usually do a test first. Like I, I'll I'll get a small one printed to make sure. I have it right because that's the part that I don't like is getting the file ready for the printer. Yeah. It's just so complicated to me. It's like, because it looks so great on your screen and it's so, you know, because it's a retina display and it's going to be super dark when you have it printed. So just yes. to, to get that right is, uh, is tedious. Ugh. Yeah, so, when you, yeah. When you're waiting a week and a half to get it back, it's even worse. Yeah, that's true. So uh, what, what paper do you, prefer especially um, for black and white there is a really beautiful um matte oh, i can't remember the name of it um uh, matte paper that is just really really thick and beautiful um i've tried several i've also done some standouts um mm-hmm. with them for exhibits they're really great because you don't need to frame they're 
um, they're on a, a board basically, and uh, you just have to hang them. So I, I've tried a lot of different things with them. They're it's amazing now what uh, uh, printers can can do. Uh, there was also a really cool uh, uh, deep matte Fuji paper mm-hmm. that was just amazing. But then you it really you have to really prepare your file uh, uh, in a in a way that will work with that really deep deep matte. Um, but I, I've tried that. It's just beautiful. Yeah, I live in a small town, and so we don't have a, a printer here. So I, I have to send it off, uh, which is too bad because I would like to be able to just walk in and talk to them. And yeah, you know, not many places. Not easy to do anymore. And not a lot of places no. that have you know, just open to the public. Yeah, it's all order and ship. Yep, yep, and it's easy to send them off electronically. Or, I mean, just. Yeah. You know, upload the files and and they come back. All right. Well, thank. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. I, I thanks for your input, and uh, hopefully, pe- other people will get something out of that. Well, as actually, well. I can give you a, a link uh, that you can put in your show notes uh, where people can actually get like three free prints just to try them. Oh yeah, yeah I'll send yeah. that. And you can put that link in there. Yeah. Okay. Good. Well, if uh, any of you guys are. Looking for a printer, look in the show notes, and uh, you get a little present from Valerie. Three <laughs> free prints. Well, it's been fun. I feel, I feel like we just had our morning coffee together. We did. I was drinking mine while we were talking. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. So, yeah, I appreciate it. But before we go, uh, please tell us where people can, can find you and uh, well, learn about It's pretty easy. Up. Uh, if you Google my name, you'll probably find me pretty quickly. Uh, but uh, on on uh, my website and uh, Instagram, it's simply Valérie Jardin, V-A-L-E-R-I-E-J-A-R-D-I-N. And, um, or on Google, you'll see everything, everything. But the website really, valeriejardin.com, you'll, you'll have the, the podcast, all the books and, and all the galleries and, and the blogs and the everything is I keep that pretty up to date. And the new, the new galleries on ice and, uh, Objet du Jour, my, my winter projects. <laughs> I already, I already started the galleries for them because I post them on social, on, on net, on Instagram, but, uh, say Netflix on Instagram, <laughs> but, um, I shoot more than I, I only post once a day on Instagram and I shoot more than I post. So I, uh, I started a, a gallery for both projects already so that I could put all the other pictures in there. That's right. Simple enough. And your podcast is Hit the Streets, right? That's right. Hit the Streets on iTunes and everywhere else. That's right. Thanks, Bob. This has been really fun. Thank you. Thank you.